I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 254. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. My spiritual mentor often speaks of the red thread of redemption that is woven throughout God's word. And there was a man in the 1800s who printed the words in the Bible, red, to highlight that thread. And these red letters not only reflect the direct words of Christ in the New Testament, but point to the Messiah in the Old Testament. And Crowder's new song, Red Letters, points to that red thread, that grand story, the meta narrative of Scripture. I'm excited to share more about this and ultimately dive into Scripture. But first, let's listen. an article in the show notes about the origins of the Red Letter Bible. It was just really interesting to me. And so you just need to go to michellenizat.com forward slash 254 for that link and any others that I will mention on the podcast. In fact, I take notes for you every week because if you're like me, you're listening to this podcast when you're doing something else. And so I always post show notes uh, each week at michellenizat.com. Now, the history of Luce Klopsch and his idea to print the words of Christ are detailed in the article that I'm going to link to. But there is a quote from his explanatory note in the introduction of the Bible that caught my attention because he clearly explains this idea of meta-narrative, which is a big fancy word for just saying the grand story that is woven throughout Scripture. And he writes this, In the Red Letter Bible, more clearly than in any other edition of the Holy Scriptures, it becomes plain that from beginning to end, the central figure upon which all lines of law, history, poetry, and prophecy converge is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. 
He expounded in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and the divine plan for man's redemption. And the Red Letter Bible indicates and emphasizes this divine exposition and personal revelation at each successive stage, making them so clear that even the simplest may understand. It sheds a new radiance upon the sacred pages by which the reader is enabled to trace unerringly the scarlet thread of prophecy from Genesis to Malachi. Like the star which led the Magi to Bethlehem, this light shining through the entire word leads straight to the person of the divine Messiah as the fulfillment of the promise of all the ages. Now, just coming out of spending so much time in scripture surrounding the birth of Christ, we spent the last four or five episodes using Christmas music and diving into the Gospels and and just really pondering and lingering in the the story of the coming of Christ, uh, God with us, Emmanuel as a baby. And I was especially intrigued by the by uh, Luce Klopp's uh, statement, like the star which led the Magi to Bethlehem, this light shining throughout the entire word leads straight to the person of the divine Messiah as the fulfillment of the promise of all the ages. And as we wrap up the year and we look ahead to a fresh slate of days in the new year. I pray that God would give you an unreasonable desire for his word. And I'm here to give you tips and nudges on how to do the work. But the work, my friend, is on you. And it will be an investment and God will begin to reveal to you the magnitude and interweaving of his eternal plan through songs and weeks of discovery like the one we're getting ready to embark on. Now, I love this week's song because it reminds me of the power of the words of Christ. I often refer to the red letters here on the podcast. Uh, you know, when you're reading in a particular Bible, the the original red letter Bible, uh, but many Bibles are, most Bibles are printed now with red letters, Christ's words been, being printed in red letters. So uh, this this gentleman who had this idea to paint the words red uh, really made an impact on all generations uh, coming after. So I often refer to those red letters here on the podcast. It's an amazing fit uh, that we do this song, but I also love that it points to the big story, the big story of the fact that we are born sinners and God sent a Messiah to redeem and restore all things. So this point, this song points to big picture ideas, uh, but I almost fell into a trap this week and of thinking, yeah, I've read that before. And instead of spending time in God's word, revisiting familiar passages with fresh perspective, I almost missed it. So if it's easy for me to fall into a trap like that, I'm sure I can't be the only one. And so I encourage you to not just listen to the podcast and file it away because I'm going to read a few sections to you, but to really dig in for yourself. Now, the song begins with these two verses. It says, there I was on death row, guilty in the first degree, son of God hanging on a tree on on a hill. Hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting crucify could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. Now, the song begins by lyrically reminding us that we are destined for eternal wrath without Jesus. 
And so let's talk about the scriptures that I thought of as I looked into these lyrics. These lyrics are are projecting something that's very true and very um, somber because one area of scripture that I thought of was in Ephesians chapter two. And there's others. I'm going to give you a few areas to go look at just to um, kind of verify that what this song is singing about is true. Um, But there are other areas. But this one is pretty clear. In Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, sin is a failure to conform to God's moral law in action and in attitude, but also in our moral nature. And this scripture reminds us that we were by nature children of wrath. We, By nature, we are sinners. And John the Baptist testified about Jesus in John chapter 3. If you go down to verse 35, it says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. So John is speaking about Father God, and he's speaking about Jesus as His Son. And John the Baptist says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. You see, we because by nature we are sinners, the wrath of God is was on us, and it is removed by by receiving Christ. Okay, so when our song lyrically claims that we were guilty, we were by nature we were children of wrath. The only thing the only thing that keeps you from being a child of wrath is when you you surrender and become a child of God, and then that is removed from you. So when our song lyrically claims that we were on death row with hell being our destiny, we were. God's wrath remains on all who reject the Son. And so then the song brings us lyrically to Calvary when it sings of the Son of God hanging on a tree. Now, this is where I was tempted to just go from memory. I mean, I've read this part of scripture before, right? Well, even so, there is a habit that will change you. And this is the habit of reading in context. It's my favorite bite. B-I-T-E, Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. I share bites with you each week on this podcast. And so when you read in context, generally I'm suggesting that you read the chapter before the verse or section of verses that you're studying, the chapter the verses are in, and even the chapter after. And in this case, I wanted to read over the story of Jesus's crucifixion as inspired by some of the lyrics in our song. So I chose to read John chapter 18 and 19. Now, when you do this on your own, you will see the details again of the circumstances leading up to Jesus's arrest and trial. I'm going to use air quotes. You can't see me, but the trial of Christ. And it's at the beginning of chapter 19 that you see uh, uh, those who are calling for Jesus to be crucified. I'm going to read this part to you. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. 
As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Now, I read a kind of a larger section, but that is even a a small portion of what I studied this week in chapter 18 and 19. Now, one of the things that you could do is to read this account in all four Gospels. And then another bite you might try is to read it in various translations. So I just read out of John chapter 19 in the NIV. So you could use those two bites, read all four Gospels or even just this one in a variety of translations, and that'll help you this week. But let's go back to our song. It says, The crowd was shouting crucify. Could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. Now, it's so easy for us to read the accounts detailed in the Bible with such self-righteousness as to think we would never respond that way. You know, and that's where I think the power of music and creativity and lyrics and art can draw us out of this black and white way of thinking and pull us into the realm of new perspective. You see, when I read this section of scripture, I don't see the crowds shouting crucify. I see the chief priests and officials shouting crucify. Now, I'm not pointing this out to try to aha, catch the artist in something, because in the other Gospels, it does describe a crowd. I'm actually pointing out because I want to consider the role of these chief priests and officials and make a link as to my role, even though it may be my self-righteous tendency not to see myself in these men. I, I think it, it, the song inspires me to do so, right? And I think it's a good inspiration. So the role of the priest was to be the connector between a holy God and a sinful people. But instead of leading the people to worship and obey the law of God, these chief priests were caught up in the midst of the politics of the day. They had the Messiah in their midst and they missed it. And they not only missed it, they took things into their own hands and they had an innocent man arrested, the only truly innocent man ever to live, and they crucified him. So you could do one of two things. You could say, oh, well, let's think of all the other religious leaders who have very publicly led people astray in our own time. Or maybe you have in your mind a leader that you personally have been affected by. You know, that sometimes they miss things and they wrongfully lead people down the wrong path. And that's true. And so we could definitely have a robust discussion on this. But I could also set that aside and say, as Crowder does in our song, the words crucify could have come from my lips. 
And uh, because by nature, I'm a sinner and I want nothing to do with the things of God. And our lyrics say the dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean, which is so true. And the miracle happened right there on that hill with the son of God, arms spread wide. Our song sings of the power of the words of God. It says, then I read the red letters and the ground began to shake. The prison walls started falling and I became a free man that day. So this is just to remind us of the power of the word of God. And that is what, of course, I claim and try to inspire you to read um, for yourself because of that, that, that profound power. So if you follow the bite of reading all four Gospels, you will see in Matthew's account at the death of Christ, there was an earthquake and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he yielded up his spirit. At that moment, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After Jesus's resurrection, when they had come out of the tombs, they entered the Holy Spirit and the Holy City and appeared to many people. All right. So in the temple, a veil separated the Holy of Holies, which was considered the earthly dwelling place of God's presence from the rest of the temple where men could could dwell, could come and go. This signified that man was separated from God by sin. Okay. There are other places in God's word that make this very clear. Only the high priest was permitted to pass beyond this veil once a year. And this was defined in Exodus. Uh, You know, this was set up in, in Exodus after the uh, in Exodus chapter 30 to enter. So the high priest would enter that God's presence for all of Israel and make atonement for their sins. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 16. So the tearing of the veil at the moment of Jesus's death dramatically symbolizes that his sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood was a sufficient atonement for sin, like once and for all, like it didn't need to happen once a year. And there was no longer a veil separating God's presence from men. It signified now that the way into the Holy of Holies was open for all people, for all time, both Jew and Gentile, but through Christ. Remember, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. So The third verse of our song says, It felt like lightning hit my veins. My dead heart began to beat. Breath of God filled my lungs and the Holy Ghost awakened me. Yeah, the Holy Ghost awakened me. Now, Colossians chapter 2 says it best. It says in verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all us all our trans- trespasses by, this is verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So when the, our song sings that, that our dead heart began to beat and the Holy Ghost awakened us, that's exactly what happened. The power of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit is what awakens us. So yes, 
sing the song. All right. I want you to sing the song, but I want you to learn the scripture behind the song. Linger in God's word to understand why this song is so powerful. There's some pretty big ideas put forth in this song that honestly take a little more study than just reading the account of Christ's crucifixion and take a little bit more study than you would have maybe naturally known how to do on your own. So and it's a little bit beyond my, I've read, I'm, I have great knowledge of the Bible. I've read it through several times, but even so I use outside resources. So in my study this week, I used the bite of referencing an outside resource to help me out. One of my favorite resources is Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. And I purchased the Kindle version so that it's easy for me to search what I want to study as I go. The physical book is pretty large. Um, I suppose you could read it from front to back, but I use it more as a reference book in my research and in my study. And I spent some time in the chapter on sin to help me pull my thoughts together for you this week. I also referenced an article out of gotquestions.org. This is a reliable site that helps to kind of simply answer um, some questions like what's the significance of the veil being torn into? And I'll link to that article as well. So what's next? Well, for I want you to sit in a larger chunk of scripture. And to do that, I suggest John chapter 18 and 19 and review the details of Christ's crucifixion. And then I want you to consider Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14, as you sing along with this week's song to remind you that uh, our debt has been set aside, nailing it to the cross right there. So as you come out of, of lingering in that section of scripture to understand the significance of what happened there, uh, read the article about the creator of the Red Letter Bible and his hope for you, the reader of God's word. Ponder the red letters of Christ's word, uh, words, the red thread of redemption woven throughout the Old and New Testament, and the significance of the salvation and freedom offered through Christ's sacrifice. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Leah from Texas and Eric from Florida. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And then subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, your tablet, desktop, or you can even print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, uh, many of those show notes, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And have you had a chance to write write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Well, this really encourages me, of course, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We are also on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can follow us on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. 
Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Only Jesus by Casting Crowns to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 254. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.